Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. How are you today? I am so excited to be recording this episode because to be quite honest with you, I've been feeling a little creatively blocked lately. I don't know if I'm facing this weird form of emotional burnout because of everything that went on last year and then coming out with my book. And I found that I tend to like thrive in chaos. And then when things seem to be calming down, my mind kind of freaks out. And according to my therapist, this is because my childhood was so chaotic. So I tend to create chaos and and be a really high performer when everybody else is losing their minds. I'm like, okay, I will keep it together for the good of the team. So I'm still working on that. And a mantra that my therapist gave me. Well, she just said this in passing, but I turned it into a mantra. But what I've been saying to myself to help through this is stability is sexy. And I think my therapist said this when we were talking about my relationship and how I'm not used to being in a healthy relationship and how most of my past relationships have been very tumultuous, if not abusive. And she said this to me a couple of times, like stability is sexy because I think a lot of the times we confuse drama for passion and we confuse abuse for romance because unfortunately we grew up seeing a narrative of like, I don't know, even in the movies or in romance novels, they always paint this picture of relationships as being very like back and forth, breaking up, getting back together, and then love conquers all. But 
that is not necessarily healthy for the majority of us. So anyways, stability is sexy. I'm learning how to, you know, be at peace when things are peaceful, which I know (laughs) sounds like a contradiction and a really weird thing to work on, but it is very real for me. So anyways, with all of that being said, today is Saturday morning as I'm recording this and I woke up with inspiration. And I find that my creativity comes in bursts. And if I ignore it, then it'll go away. So I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's record a podcast episode. I wrote down a bunch of ideas. And then there was one that really, really stuck. And I elaborated on it. So I think you're going to really, really enjoy this episode because I am really, really passionate on this topic. And it has to do with self-love of course, like everything on this podcast, but it also will take a different direction. And I suppose this episode will be a little bit more about personal growth and mindset and how to think about your life when it comes to happiness and success and creating what you want in this world. So with that being said, I titled the episode, Stop Trying to Be Happy and Do This Instead. So let me begin by talking about why I don't believe in the idea of chasing happiness or always trying to be happy. One sec. Let me take a dramatic sip of tea. Okay. So... Here's the thing. I don't remember how I stumbled upon this idea, but when I did, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot because I think as a society, you know, again, going back to the media and romance novels and what we're told a lot is that we have to try to be happy, right? It's like work hard, play hard. So the two things that society kind of makes sure that we remember is that Your purpose on this planet is to work, be productive, look a certain way, be this contribution to society. And usually a lot of those contributions look in the form of like money, right? Like make money, work hard. And then this other aspect, which you'll hear from a lot of like spiritual gurus and self-help people, um, and they'll say like, just be happy or do whatever makes you happy or (laughs) do they make you happy when you're in a relationship? Like hang out with people who make you happy. Love it. It's great. But I think that there's a deeper level that we can dive into. And so the reason why I don't believe necessarily in trying to be happy is because it creates this new expectation where if you're not happy, you kind of feel like you're like not doing well in life, right? I know I've definitely felt that way where I'm like, oh, why aren't I like feeling really happy and positive? And anytime I have like an okay or mediocre day, I'm like, eh, whatever, you know? And I instantly write it off instead of just embracing all aspects of it and, you know, knowing in my heart that it's okay if not every single day is absolutely amazing and it's okay to not be happy all the time. And even if you are on a mental health journey, like, trying to heal or get better in any way that still is not necessarily going to like getting better does not mean being perfectly happy all the time, right? Getting better means that you're learning how to move through your emotions. You're learning how to cope in better ways. You're just finding some sort of 
I don't know, you're just finding your groove amongst the chaos, right? You're not necessarily trying to control every single aspect of your life because that's kind of impossible. And you're not necessarily trying to fix everything in your life because again, that is kind of impossible. Things are going to happen. Things are going to go wrong. Stuff is going to come up. Sometimes it's because something happened and sometimes it's for no reason at all besides waking up on the wrong side of the bed for lack of better words. And I don't think that we need to be beating ourselves up for that. And I don't think we need to spend so much time and and energy and emotional currency trying to be happy all the time. And one of the first things that I learned when I started my life coaching certification is this model of dissatisfaction. I don't remember how it's called, but basically the idea is super simple. The only time that you can find yourself unhappy is when reality, so what you're experiencing, does not meet your expectation. So usually the thoughts that come up are like, it shouldn't be this way. It should have been like this. I should do this. They should have done that. And it's a lot of mismatched reality versus expectation. So you kind of either have two choices. You can change your reality, which in some cases is possible, right? You can, I don't know, look for some sort of solution to the problem, or you can change your expectation. Now, when I say change your expectation, I don't necessarily mean lower your expectation. You can change your expectation while still having high standards. And this change when it comes to like happiness and not trying to be happy all the time or search for happiness, this change will actually make you more happy in the long term because you're no longer running this rat race of trying to be happy. And now when you think about like, what does it mean to be happy? You might have an image in your head, right? You you know what that feeling feels like, but there's nothing concrete there. So the whole idea is very, very arbitrary. It's like, well, what does that even mean? How do you even know when you're happy? Does it last? How long does it last? How do you recreate it? And a lot of our happiness is attached to like things, right? Things or accomplishments or something outside of ourselves. And so chasing happiness might leave you feeling empty, will probably leave you feeling empty because as humans, we are psychologically wired to not stay happy all the time. (laughs) Because if we did, when it comes to like evolution and survival, that probably wouldn't be really good. Because if we were all up in la la land, then we're not going to see the bear that's chasing us, right? Then we're not going to be able to protect ourselves and survive. So again, when it comes to like mental health, like anxiety is a very useful emotion when you think about humans and how we've evolved and and how we got to where we are today it is because we have a certain level of fear and anxiety so again the goal isn't necessarily to completely control every single emotion or completely get rid of negative emotions it's just to learn to deal with them to to kind of separate when is something a real threat when is it not a real threat when can where can i like ease up a little bit on the anxiety and and where is it something that's actually totally valid and i should be scared and i should do something about it so anyways a little mini tangent there but what i'm trying to say is that because of this kind of this way that we've evolved the way our brains have evolved, there's also this idea called hedonic adaptation. 
Again, I'm using big words here and I'm getting a little geeky about it, but hedonic adaptation is also a very simple concept. It basically says, or it's been proven that we get used to the good things that we have. So even people, they've studied people who have won the lottery and after like week two or three, they're no longer on that happiness high of winning the lottery because you start getting used to the good things you have. The first time that you buy a car or kiss your lover or, I don't know, eat something good, like the first bite of something does not taste as good as the third or fourth or 10th or 20th bite because we get used to those pleasurable feelings and they're no longer pleasurable. So it's kind of this paradox. And we also end up wanting more, right? Once we make some money and we're really proud of ourselves, we're like, well, the next step is more money. And once we kiss somebody really cute, the next step is let's date and get engaged and get married. And there's always something else that is apparently something outside of ourselves that's apparently supposed to bring us even more happiness. And that that bar, that expectation just keeps getting higher and higher and it keeps changing and we keep chasing And we find ourselves not feeling that much more happy in the long term. It's like a never-ending treadmill, like we're chasing a carrot on a stick, you know? And so, yeah, this whole idea of happiness and the way it's tied to success, it can leave us feeling very empty and lonely and also tired in the process. So I just want to take that pressure and expectation off of you and tell you that you don't need to be constantly happy all the time, nor do you need to spend your life chasing happiness. You can feel okay. You can be content. You can Embrace all the emotions, whether they're negative or positive. You have full permission to just exist and not have to have these these big, grand, happy moments all of the time. That's just too much to ask from. So instead, what I invite you to do instead of trying to be happy and searching and chasing for happiness I want you to focus on creating meaning in your life. I think it's actually hitting me where I first stumbled on this idea of happiness versus meaning. I believe it's from Mark Manson's book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. You may have heard of it. It went really, really viral and got really popular a few years back. Um, And I really, really love his work, especially... I just think it's so refreshing when it comes to the self-help world. So um, yeah, if you're interested in, in more of that, I recommend checking him out. He's one of the few people that I recommend when it comes to like self-help and personal growth and development. But this is kind of where I first, I believe, where I first stumbled on this idea of happiness versus meaning. And he talks a lot about hedonic adaptation and just how we've evolved and why a lot of conventional self-help stuff doesn't leave us better off. If anything, it leaves us worse off. So anyways, focusing on creating meaning, I want you to notice how I use the word creating rather than finding meaning or searching for meaning, because meaning is something that comes from within. And when we use words like find or search, 
right? It, it feels like we're we're going to be walking along and then suddenly stumble on it. Like, aha, I found it. And then once we find it, we keep it forever and it's ours. When that's really not the case, something like meaning is created from within and it's a constant practice, just like so many good things in life. There's also a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he's a Holocaust survivor and he has this beautiful, incredible, just life-changing book about how to find meaning even amongst the darkest, darkest times in humanity. And ironically, his book is called Man's Search for Meaning, but you'll kind of come to realize that what he portrays is the exact opposite. And he even says it in this quote, he says, don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you are going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue. So even though his book is called Man's Search for Meaning, he basically shares his journey of how he's searching, 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 and then finds out that it was within him all along. So highly recommend that book. It's such a short read. It's available for free, like everywhere. You can literally get a PDF off of the internet and it's definitely worth a read that you can do within a night. But again, success like happiness cannot be pursued. It must ensue. So I firmly believe that you can make anything a meaningful experience by becoming present and aware as you're doing it you'll find that there's a lot more room for long-term joy when you're simply focused on being in the moment. And I really love the word joy, by the way, because I feel like it's such a great way to describe happiness, except joy is a little bit more long-term and it's sustaining and feeling joy is a totally different experience than feeling happy, right? It's it's more, I don't know, it's just more, it feels better. You can probably even hear it if you just tell yourself, I feel joyful instead of I feel happy. I don't know if it's because happy has just kind of been overdone in my head. Um, so it sounds a little dull, but joy is such a great word and state of being to embody. But here's what I want you to remember for the rest of your life, <laughs> exaggerating, but here's what I want you to take away from this podcast episode. Happiness is fleeting. Meaning is fulfilling. Okay. Happiness is fleeting. It comes and goes. It's transient in nature. It is normal to feel happy one moment and sad the next. That happens. But meaning is something that is just, first of all, it's coming from within. You're in full control of it. You can create it at any moment in your life. And it's going to bring you so much more fulfillment and joy over the long term than little moments of happiness ever will, which usually come from external things, you know, validation, accomplishments, materialistic items, things like that. Meaning is just something different. It is something else to live your life by. Another place you can apply this is when it comes to body image. So you don't have to be thrilled or happy about your body all the time in order to appreciate it, nurture it, care for it. You don't have to constantly feel positively about your body in order to appreciate its existence. Here's another analogy. Like you have loved ones in your life, right? You have a partner, maybe kids, 
siblings, best friends, family, and you hopefully take care of your loved ones in different ways, whether you, I don't know, offer them time or service or help them out or money or hang out or emotional support, like however you take care of them, right? You take care of them not just when they make you happy, (laughs) right? You're not like, you have to make me happy all the time. You take care of them because their mere existence means so much to you. They don't have to be constantly making you happy in order for your experience with them to be meaningful and to be worth your while and to bring you a lot of joy over the long term. I mean, I'll tell you, boyfriend pisses me off sometimes. He bothers me. He annoys me. Um, We bicker, like whatever. But I love him so dearly and I love hanging out with him, not because every moment is like what I share on Instagram where it's happy-go-lucky, but because being in a relationship with him is so meaningful to me and to my life. And it's just, I just value it so, so much. So again, this difference between being happy and creating meaning, that is such a significant and important distinction to make. So on that note, here are some ways that you can create more meaning in your life. Firstly, slow the fuck down. Remember how I mentioned that the easiest way to find meaning, to create meaning, is to just simply be present and aware and in the moment. And the only way you can do that is if you slow down. This is a great exercise when you're eating. Try to slow down. Try to choose slowly. Try to savor all the flavors and be really, really grateful for what you're experiencing. Same thing if you're hanging out with your friends or family. Just slowing down. Put your phone down. Just look at them. (laughs) Just like embrace that moment. Be fully in it. I like to leave my phone at home when boyfriend and I go walk the dog. And I won't lie, sometimes it's boring. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, I wish I brought my phone. But when I do bring my phone, I'm like, damn it, I just missed out on that whole walk. You know, boyfriend and I could have had a conversation. I could have looked at the roses in my neighbor's garden. I could have observed Zeus pooping. (laughs) And still, that would have made me a little bit more present than walking and being on my phone. I think we're, again, very trained and conditioned to always be doing something, always be learning and listening and being productive and we're driving and we're listening to the radio. Or if you're like me, you put on a podcast or an audio book because you're like trying to make the most of your time and do as much as possible and you're multitasking and you're running a household and going to work and taking care of the kids and calling your mom every week or twice a week or 10 times a day if you're like me and you're trying to be there for your friends and we're just doing so much all the time. And the easiest way to find meaning, to create meaning, is to slow down just whatever you're doing. (sighs) See, I'm practicing it right now. (laughs) I just wanted to embrace that moment. I'm like, I am here. I am recording a podcast. I am serving my listeners. I'm hopeful that they will get so much out of this. And I just want to be in this moment right now. I am in no rush. You have time. So slow the fuck down. Okay. Next way you can create meaning is by challenging yourself to something new. Anytime you're facing a challenge, like 
when it's physical or mental, there you have no other choice but to be in the moment, right? Think of solving a really difficult math problem. <laughs> if you're a calculus geek like me, I know everybody hates me when I say this, but secretly loved calculus in high school and college. <laughs> but what I liked about it, I think what really appealed to me is just how focused I was. There was something so beautiful about the smell of my pencil on that graph paper and writing out those equations and trying to figure them out and you have to like really, really pay attention to the instructor to each and every step, especially when you make a mistake, right? You have to like go back. You have to really focus. So that is a meaningful experience. I mean, how good does it feel when you find X? <laughs> it feels so good because you're like, I was, I, I, I worked so hard for this. That's the beauty of challenging yourself. I feel the same way when I am surfing. Everybody asks me, like, why do I surf? Why did I decide to take up surfing? And I say this like I surf that much living in the desert. No, I don't. <laughs> but I do love surfing and I'm hoping to do more surfing this summer. But I started surfing in Bali when I went there the first time. Me and my girlfriend decided to just try it out and we both loved it. And how we described it was that when you are out in the ocean getting beat up by the waves. And I mean, beat up, especially as a beginner surfer, my first time out there, like it took me four two hour lessons just to stand up on the board. But the reason why it was so meaningful is because you have no choice but to be like one with the ocean and one with yourself, right? Even after you're done surfing the wave, you have to swim your ass over to the other side so that the other surfers don't hit you and you're pedaling against the water and it is so hard and it's so challenging and you're tired, but you keep going. And then there's that moment when you stand up on your board and it is the most blissful moment and it only lasts a second and a half. But in that moment, you're like, damn, I just did that. I am so proud of myself. So these types of moments only come when you challenge yourself. I'm going to give you one last example. I shared with you that I recently, it's been a while, but a few months ago, I started going to ballet class because the studio in my town has this giant studio. They were limiting the capacity. Everyone was wearing masks and it was super socially distant. So it felt like something active I could do. And I was the worst one in there. <laughs> we had students from the New York City Ballet come. I mean, apparently they came from New York because they didn't want to be there during that time. And they are staying in Arizona temporarily. And of course, they take my ballet class. So this guy is spinning seven times in the air before landing on his knee. The girl is on her beautiful point shoes, like doing this gorgeous, elegant dance and I am just there flopping around like a beached whale, <laughs> tripping over my feet and not remembering the steps and not knowing half the things they say in French because ballet is all in French, right? And it's been such a long time since I did ballet. And even my ballet teacher said, he was like, you know, you're really coordinated for a bad dancer. <laughs> and I couldn't help but laugh and, and take that with a lot of love, actually. I didn't even find offense to it at all because... It made me feel really proud of myself for still showing up, even though I was not good, even though I was the worst one in the room. And that's the same way I felt surfing. I mean, my Balinese instructor was making fun of me any chance he got. And something about it was still joyful because it's not that I was 
nailing everything or succeeding or really, really happy about the entire experience because most of it was so, so difficult. But in those moments where you do the step or you get up on your board or you find X, they're just blissful, meaningful moments. And a good way to get there is by challenging yourself to something new. So I have three more tips for you. Next one. Ooh, this one is a good one. Ritualize everyday events and experiences, especially the ones that bring you joy. So studies actually show that ritual is the key to happiness. (laughs) I know I just did this whole episode about how not to chase happiness, but I guess it's the word scientists use for simplicity's sake, which is fine. We'll run with it. Ritual is actually proven to make you more happy and sustainably happy. And here's why. When you have something planned, say you get together with your mom every Tuesday for dinner, right? Even though, again, you may not enjoy every single moment of dinner with your mom. I know I don't always enjoy every single moment of dinner with my mom, right? Um, Sometimes it feels easier to just watch Netflix. But you are looking forward to that experience. You have something planned. You are kind of getting in this routine and humans love routine. Like we are creatures of habit and we thrive off of that. So whether your ritual is once a week dinner with your mom or once a month get together with your girlfriends or breakfast every morning with your partner, that is something that Stan and I have ritualized um, for the past two years of our relationships. It's something that we always, always look forward to. And we have breakfast together almost no matter what. There are very, very few, rare few days where we don't have breakfast together. And it's something that both of us just look forward to because it's our time together. It's, you know, there's something about eating together and it's just a great way to start the day. So if you can ritualize something, I don't care if it's a skincare routine, if it's something like reading before bed or journaling in the morning or getting together with your friends every week or every month or whatever it is, it doesn't even matter if it's every year. Even if the ritual is every year, it's still going to create a lot of meaning in your life because you're going to look forward to that connection. And speaking of connection, nurture your existing relationships. That is going to bring so much meaning to your life. I think it's so easy to take the people in our lives for granted and just text back and forth or talk to each other on the phone occasionally. But when was the last time that you sent your loved ones a little voice note? I'm like the queen of voice notes. I love voice notes, but a lot of people aren't used to them. But there's something special about hearing somebody's voice or giving them a call. (laughs) I think voice notes are nice because, you know, there's kind of no pressure to respond or to pick up the phone. But Maybe you should pick up the phone and call them and ask how they're doing and have a conversation about something that is not gossip or problems or things that are wrong in your life. What if you asked like, hey, best friend, how are you doing? Really? What if you ask her or him, what's something that's bringing you joy right now? And like genuinely ask that question and listen. I mean, the answer might surprise you. Another thing that I love doing to surprise my friends is sending them a video message. (laughs) Um, My boyfriend has always sent me video messages, and he's the only person I've ever met 
that sends video messages like I do. But there's something really cool about just opening up a selfie video like you would on Instagram stories. I mean, why do we do Instagram stories, but we don't send our close ones a video message and being like, hey, I was just thinking about you, wondering how you are. Uh, Just wanted to send you this little video so you could see my face loving up on you. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Like that's literally all it could be. But it's just it's such a pleasant surprise, I think. Or like send your your friend a gift in the mail or your mom or like go the extra mile for your friends. I feel like this year, despite everything, I've created and maintained some key relationships in my life, specifically friendships that I'm really, really proud of. And the friends I have in my life, like they really do go the extra mile. I mean, I get gifts in the mail or like a Valentine's Day card. Shout out to you, Zoe. Zoe sends me like a Valentine's Day card and a Halloween card and a Christmas card. Like any chance she gets, she loves sending cards. Um, Or my friend Ola and I started FaceTiming more. And usually it was like hard to get her on FaceTime uh, because we were always just so busy. And now it's just kind of like a thing. Like anytime I'm getting ready in the mornings, I just FaceTime her. (laughs) And um I don't know, with with my mom, like bringing over a gift or Stan's really good about bringing his mom flowers every Friday for Shabbat, you know, like things like that, like go the extra mile for the people that you love. Um, It doesn't have to be their birthday and it doesn't have to be something expensive. It could literally be a voice note, a video message, a card, something sweet. Let them know you're thinking about them. Give them a really, really specific and meaningful compliment on something that they've done recently, celebrate them, like go that extra mile and nurture your existing relationships. And last but not least, something that's going to really help you create meaning in your life is simply remembering and reminding yourself that the struggle is a part of the story. When I was really struggling with my eating disorder and later on my big breakup and moving from Canada, which I moved to for love, and then I moved back because we broke up and all of this drama, right? I was in a really, really low, dark place. I had no money. I was working three jobs. I was living alone in a different country. I was a full-time student. It was hard as fuck. I was trying to kind of start dating again amidst everything. It was so, so cold. Like Everything just felt like it was dark and depressing and gloomy and doomy, uh, quite literally up in Canada in the middle of the winter, one of the harshest winters that they've had in like a hundred years, 2018. We love it. But anyways, um, during that time is when I also really got into writing, right? That's when I started sharing my story on Instagram. I was writing aside from really long captions. I was also writing a lot of stuff for myself and journaling and dabbling in prose and poetry and just kind of starting to find that passion. And um, where was I going with that? Oh, I used to tell myself during that dark time that one day I'm going to write about this. And that's what got me through. I would literally tell myself that, Mary, one day you're going to get out on the other side and you're going to write about this. This is going to be something to write about. And I would tell myself that with every difficult experience, and boy, in that winter of 2018, there were so, so many. I wish I could tell you details, but I can't due to like privacy and confidentiality concerns. But fuck, that was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. 
And I just kept telling myself, like, one day you're going to write about this. And that's for me as a writer. But what I was really telling myself is this struggle is going to be a part of your story, a part of who you are, something that shapes you, something that's going to make you see things differently and make you so, so resilient. So just remember that if you're really struggling with finding meaning and you're struggling with happiness and maybe not finding as many happy moments and let alone overall joy in your life, remember that your struggle is a part of your story, okay? I love you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories, send it to a friend who might need to hear it. It absolutely means the world to me when you share the podcast. It's literally, (laughs) there's nothing more fulfilling than seeing that this landed with you so much that you felt called to share it. So if you are called, please do. And if you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes. Um, That really helps the show grow. And as weird as I feel asking for reviews all the time, it truly is the only thing that keeps me going in this crazy podcasting world, which I'm so new to and still trying to figure out and (laughs) make it. So... Anyways, I love you so, so much, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.